Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, July 19th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. A little bit longer than yesterday, but it's going to be an important show today. There's a lot of incredible things that I think are developing as we watch today. Some things we're going to be revisiting that we haven't been talking about in a while, like Israel, Syria, for what, the 100,000th time they've illegally bombed this country that nobody in the U.S. government seems to care about. We're going to start with an interesting point that I wanted to show everybody in regard to Twitter and Rumble, actually. I've been telling people that Rumble has been, you know, whether knowingly or not, I will always put that out there. I can't speak for whether these people know what they're doing, but that it has every single, and you can look into for yourself, every single choke point that YouTube does. So ask yourself why the same people who are advertising on YouTube that absolutely won't allow this dangerous disinformation on their advertising will allow it over here on Rumble. Well, as I've been telling you, I feel like there's a reason and maybe that's, there's a kind of a, put your eggs in this basket so we can smash it kind of a game. Either way, we are going to see another person that was just censored in a real bit of flashy way on Rumble for hate speech, which is, I just don't know why people can't see the same problem developing there. And I'm not, again, I'm, I, I get great reach on, on Rumble, at least so I think. My point is not to say that they know this or that, you know, just, and even let's just even say they're doing it just to make a business and make money. Do you, how can we begrudge them that? Because my motivation is about the truth and about not being censored and so on. But, you know, each, each to each their own. But I think it's important that we frame it the right way. We're going to talk about an interesting discussion about East Palestine, which is something that really just I was blown away to find out that there was a invest a federal investigation last month. I just, I can't, I can't, of all people, I've been, you know, I've been focusing on East Palestine. An investigation last month found that it was unnecessary. And I'm going to get into the unbelievable story that this is about how we, and we've proven, we've been harping on this part of the story. EPA and Norfolk Southern were very aware and acutely involved in the conversation, the decision. And then it turns out that they dumped it on the, the chief fireman. We're going to show you why that went down the way it did and even what he now says about it. And even worse than anything else, that even as we see this, this is a month ago, no accountability, nothing, lying happening, misrepresentation, lying by omission in regard to what they told them. We'll get into all of it. And, and then we still know people are getting sick and they're being, no, 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 you're wrong. You're fine. Everything's fine. You're not sick as they're being, as they're sick still three plus months later. I just can't believe this is actually happening over there. I can say that about every story we're going to talk about today. A quick point about January 6th that I think is really important. It kind of does tie in with a lot of other things we might get into today. But then a really good focus on what's going on in regard to just foreign policy that we haven't touched enough on the show recently because of so many other things. But Ukraine, Syria, Israel, and just what's going on in regard to how this has come about, the people involved with it politically on all sides. And just the absurdity that keeps happening in, in Syria that it's not like there's some kind of narrative here. They're breaking the law and everybody seems to know that. But it's OK for Syria to Israel to break the law. And that's what we should understand about the story. We're going to talk about Wuhan and some interestingly contradictory information coming out of that. And then if we've got time today, I will finish with a couple of things I'll leave off from the beginning. But uh, some interesting developments in a conversation we've been covering quite a bit. But I'm going to start today with something in Twitter that I wanted to show you guys that I thought was very interesting. Now, again, as I even say in this tweet, this is not about complaining. I, I, I expect nothing less from this platform or and it's not it's about any 
It's not Elon's platform versus Jack's platform. It's just how this all works. We need to start seeing this as not left government, right government, but government and control and censorship and controlled flow of information. So I wanted to show this about, and this is just about the ad revenue part of this, but I want people to think, I, one thing I, I've been saying a lot that I think is really a concerning thought. I'm starting to see more and more of this. I'm wondering whether or not we each basically have a different cult curated version of Twitter for us. Now, I'm not just talking about, because that is the way this works. I'm not just talking about giving you different things based on your likes and what you engage with more. That's always happened. I'm talking about hypothetically, just asking the question, wondering if we each have our Twitter, we follow the people we follow and and, and what we expect to see, but then everything else around that, if it's just being essentially cultivated, curated in a way that's not based on our interests, but rather what they want you to be looking into. Now, that might that in and of itself also might not even sound that shocking because to me, I'd be like, well, oh, duh, of course. But a lot of people don't realize that. A lot of people think that it's just this honest algorithm that's just trying to give you what you think is best and what, you, what you're interested in, what you wanted to buy that day. But it's much more than that when we realize that this is not about giving you the best service or the best platform. It's about giving them the best thing that they want in any given minute and any given agenda that's happening right now. And that could have to do with domestic terrorism or it could have to do with driving you into trusting certain aspects of what, of, or certain people or certain agendas. I mean, we have to just think about this. And I'm personally seeing a hell of a lot of that right now. And I just want to show you a couple of quick points that I think are interesting from my personal perspective. You guys have seen how this has been developing in regard to this very weird blue check thing. Now, very quickly, so I don't have to it's, it, go through it all again. Just what happened for me personally was that when, I've been censored on what four different Twitter accounts. Elon took over. I didn't. Have, I would. I would have been willing to bet that I wouldn't get my account back. And people said they're going to do this new check thing. And you know, I said, well, you know what? If I get my account back, I'll sign up for it to see how it works out. And lo and behold, I got it back. And then also on a quick note, it's weird how people are misrepresenting this. Not like it's defending anything, but had I gone into that and realized that they were asking for all sorts of personal information, I wouldn't have done it. My number was already on my Twitter account since forever ago that's all that was needed so just be to be clear for people out there who are trying to make it out to you know verification i guarantee that's where this is going but as far as i can tell right now all i had to do was just confirm that my number was the same and i got it so just realize that there's a lot of misinformation flying around about this but i do believe that's where this is going but i did it i signed up for it but weirdly enough i had never been charged for it not once I've gone through my records, I've looked, and, and again, it's proven by the way Twitter engaged with me. Now, I don't know whether that was intentional or not, but however you play this out, the point is I'm in this weird limbo where no matter what I do, I can't sign up a second time. I can't, I've already gone through all this. I've, I've reached out to them, and I've said, look, I have blue. You can see it. You can see it, obviously, on my account, but you, I send them this picture, and I say it's right there. You can see that I have it. And then I send them this where it says, look, I tried to sign up for subscriptions, and it says, nope, you can't because you don't have Twitter blue. It's infuriating in and of itself because that's pretty stupid, but I reach out. And I've gone through four different threads back and forth, and every time they close the ticket and say, sorry, we can't help you. I even reached out to someone personally that somebody else who I won't name told me to because they got help from them. In fact, they're a person out there that already went through this process because they weren't getting ad revenue because they were censored from previous times, and they just tapped someone on the shoulder, and they got it. I'm not going to tell you who they are because I told them I promised I wouldn't because I respect them, but that's happening. Now, I'm not asking you to trust me, but I know, and I've, I've been verified this more than one person that just basically said, well, hey, how about me? And they go, okay, you're fine. <laughs> so it shows you that it's not really about any kind of integrity or rules, or it's just about whatever they decide. I guess Twitter and Linda just get to pick. My point is that I am hitting every metric. 
So I, I, I should be able to get all these other things, and I'm not. So I'm kind of being artificially stuck in this limbo where I have it and I don't. I don't get any of the benefits. I don't get long tweets. I don't get long videos or nothing. I'm not paying for it, but at the same time, I can if I don't, even if I wanted to. So the point here is that on ad revenue, I've got the page up for this. Now, somebody also pointed out this might have been for campaigns you can sign up for. But what was weird is Steve went to check on this, which is you know hitting Twitter ads. And he said, because he doesn't have it, that he wasn't able to open it and it went to subscribe. So I thought maybe that's what it was. Either way, the point is that I'm being withheld the, inf- the, the amount based on the ads. And so I asked people, I said, how, you know, well, if that's the case, then how many ads are you seeing? And my God, 49 comments. Look, it's almost every one of these 49 comments are people going, look at all these ads underneath every single one of your tweets and all of your threads, every single ad. So they are rolling in the money off of my tweets and along with everybody else. And I, I beat all the metrics and I should be able to get this and I'm not. I just think that is incredibly ridiculous. And again, trust me, I'm not complaining. I don't expect this. I never even expected to get my account back. I just want people to see what's really going on here, even if it's just certain people. But quite frankly, I think it's a lot of people. I'm seeing a lot of right-wing people speak up and go, what's happening here? What's their name on Twitter? Dr. Uh, Maria Lu- Lupus? I, for, I think I might have one of her tweets up today. I, I, I follow her account. She does good work. I can't remember the name exactly. But she, she's a big account and apparently got zero. And it's, it's, it's just in line. There's a lot of other people that have been censored before that are now back. I mean, the whole point about bringing us back is we were unjustly censored and they're getting revenue. There's a lot of them. So this whole thing is really strange and really selective. And I think we're being engineered here. That's what I think all this is about. The Twitter screenshots that just came out with another one, I guess, which is just still going, I guess, even though there's no source material and blah, blah, blah. So I'm really concerned about this. So I just want people to think about how that might be being used against us. On top of that, I opened my account today, and guess who I'm apparently following? <laughs> First of all, somebody that I have no idea. I mean, I, I, I'm aware of the name, but I haven't even, I've never seen this person's face before. So Mandy Co- K. Cohen, who is apparently the new CDC director, I'm apparently following. Not just following, but have checked. Go, I want every single one of her tweets. <laughs> really? <laughs> so I left it open just so I can come in here and go, nope, not happening. But that was apparently happened. I found more than one thing like that where I was suddenly followed with a check with a check for notifications for people like this from Twitter. I just, you know, the Twitter that's supposed to be free speech and fighting right wing, apparently, but I'm forced to follow CDC director. There's a lot of weird things happening. Could be a glitch, I guess. Here's this Twitter Daily News. Twitter will remove will will move aggressively. That's their word against election manipulation and disinformation in both U.S. and international elections. The platform has been busy working on upgrading its security and modification. Okay, and both Linda and Elon agree. What does it mean to move against disinformation in elections? And how exactly do you, what's what's your metrics here? How do you prove that? Right, because how do you know I'm not just wrong? Can I just be wrong? Well, being wrong is part of free speech. Not, Not freedom of reach, which they pretend they're removing. Freedom of speech here. The core point that they claim they're protecting to say that I can't stand up and go, well, I think they cheated, right? Or how about I just come up and I think I've proven it. I look, they cheated. I caught them here, but, and I'm wrong. Or how about I just want to lie about it, which, by the way, is also protected under free speech. You know who lies about elections literally every single time? All of them. Everybody. Every single candidate lies about the other candidate. Every single government lies about and But we are the ones that apparently aren't allowed to have free speech out of every situation here. Just think about that. This is not anything new. This is the same censorship campaign 
inter industrial complex just with a different flavor. That's what we're staring at. And yeah, look, I'm not going to, I got my account back, which I appreciate. I'm glad I'm using it. But at the same time, I almost think it's a bad thing because I've, even as I know, I'm realizing that I'm utilizing this more than any other platform, but it's because there's a lot more information flying through this. But I'm, trust me, I see this stuff. I just don't, it, it's in, I, in a way, feel trapped by that. I just think we all need to reflect on this. Now, also, this was the rumble point. This is uh, Eli- Eli- Elijah Schaefer says, Rumble removed the, lines, the live stream from Fuentes to rally. So Nick Fuentes, you know, who's a pretty contentious character for a lot of people. Or he's the one with, the, with Ye and the whole thing. And remember, Ye was the first person to be like really bigly, bigly largely censored on, on Twitter. And all he did was basically prove that they were lying. They say he censored him for something that wasn't associated with Nazism at all. And, he, and, his, and his statement was, love everybody. And yet that account with that picture is still up. And then there's also open Nazi stuff right now on Twitter. It makes no sense. But it does when you realize that it probably wasn't entirely honest. But either way, the point is he was banned or his video was removed from Rumble because of their anti-Semitism policy under hate speech. Starting to feel familiar. Remember when this was happening before? Oh, no, it was, you know, he must have done something really wrong. Either way, Elijah follows up and says something about it was a statement, I guess, about a holy war and creating a their holy war. It's just the bottom line is, guy, it's words. If you protect free speech, he's allowed to say any of that, including all the things you might think are crossing the line. It's just words. I'm not saying I agree with him. I'm happily stand up and say you're a disgusting human being, but you have a right to say those things. But here we are. It's happening. Rumble's ter- terms and, cha- and conditions, terms and conditions, that's weird, terms and service, change to ban hate speech and anti-Semitism same day Trump joins the platform. I just, I, I don't know why. Well, I do know why. Honest people can see this and go, that's disconcerting. But then you've got all the classic people that are making money on Rumble that have got a lot of connect, the right-wing people in this many cases, but it's the same kind of game in other locations where they are just leaning into it because they, the, the two-party illusion works for them, guys. And you know what? A lot of them just might be willfully ignorant. They just don't want to look at the things they know are because it's working for them, right? That's just how this game works. And we just got to, there's a lot of manipulators out there. Now, let's go into East Palestine, speaking of manipulators, because I just can't believe how this is. I mean, look, I'm not I didn't see this, which blows me away because I'm checking this stuff all the time. None of none of you guys sent it to me, which is blowing me away because you guys send me stuff every day. So it's kind of crazy for me to realize that this well, this not this, but this story right here, this one or this one here. From June 23rd. Now, before we even get to it. Think about what was happening on June 23rd and why we might have missed this. Maybe that was intentional, but let's go back to June, July 17th. And this is what started my whole point on this. I had been meaning to point this out, and I just kind of put it aside over the last couple of days. Now, this was on the 17th. Homes evacuated after train carrying hazardous materials derails in Pennsylvania, right across, right across the border. Not right across the border, but in Pennsylvania, bordering Ohio. Also, Norfolk Southern. Funny how that part's not very front and center. You think that if a news agency was just about the truth and, and also what they are, which is just what's most popular, well, that would be right across the front because everyone would be like, no way. But weirdly, all of them put that in the back burner. I think we all know why. But I said, no jumping to conclusions. But the fact that there's been no war, actually, here, let's play it first so you guys can hear it. Welcome back to Fox News Alert. Some homes in the Philadelphia area are being evacuated after a train derailment on this Monday morning. 
Police say a 40-car freight train derailed around 5 o'clock Eastern time about 90 minutes ago, and at least 10 of those cars reportedly came off the tracks. You can see it right there. No injuries have been reported. Hazmat crews have been called in. A white substance was reportedly seen leaking from at least one tanker, but there's still no word on what's inside the derailed train cars. Mm, well, that doesn't sound very good, right? Weird to say a white substance leaking. So keep that in mind. So here's what I wrote. I said, not jumping to conclusions, but the fact that there's been no word on what's in the train <laughs> is a ridiculously huge red flag. I mean, this is the same thing I said before, just like he's Palestine. There are systems in place, especially as I've proven for Norfolk Southern, which this is, in place for exactly this type of situation. It's called Ask Rail, I believe. So more than likely, if there's no word, it's because they don't want you to know. Now, real, and there are, there's a whole bunch of dangerous stuff on this train. Now, they argue that nothing spilled, but I don't know why we would trust any of these people. Norfolk Southern, I'm about to get into, is openly being caught for being, at the very least, dishonest, lying by omission, and ignoring the fact that people are suffering just like the EPA. So even, look, quite frankly, I'm gonna, the, the blame, in my opinion, in my mind, is squarely on the EPA. Because Norfolk Southern is a business that's going to take every single advantage it can that the government allows them to. And I'm not going to, they're accountable for those choices, morally in particular, but especially legally too. But the EPA is the corrupt agency that's allowing it. Well, see, my point is like at the end of the day, it's the government that's allowing it to be this way. It's not like Norfolk Southern sneakily hiding around EPA. They're clearly involved with this. But I just think it's wild that they, that they would <laughs> just how, well, the, the point is that Ask Rail is a system that they have in place instantaneously. First responders have an app where they can see instantly what's on the train instantly. And yet we don't know. Well, that means that either the apps aren't working. Then why not? No one addresses that. Or it's just not working or we're not letting you know. I find that really, really interesting. Now, this is these pointing out it's way too close to Philly. Of course, they'll stay quiet, but you can guess the company owns them, Norfolk Southern. Thank you. Rafi's actually the first person to point that out to me. Now, when I was looking into this, I'm thinking, man, this is just crazy. Norfolk Southern again in Pennsylvania, and there's a substance, and we don't know what's going on. Like, when, especially when I guarantee they know what's on there, and people on the ground could find out quite quickly. I just find it really interesting. Now, this led to this article Homes evacuated following CSX train derailment near. Uh, Philadelphia. Residents were evacuated in, near, from their homes in White Marsh Township, Pennsylvania, early Monday morning following the nearby uh, CSX derailment. Company officials said 16 of 14, de- 14, excuse me, 16 of 40 cars derailed on Norfolk Southern tracks, including one carrying hazardous tetrachloro, tetra uh, tetra oh, excuse me, chloroethylene at approximately 4.50 a.m. in the area of Montgomery County. That is 14 miles from downtown Philadelphia. So at the very least, so Norfolk Southern Tracks, CSX company. Quote, there is no indication of any leaks. Now, by the way, this is just a passing note before we get to the main point. I'm just showing you how I found this point, which I'm just blown away by. I didn't see. So as I'm going through this, I'm going, okay, so Norfolk Southern involved. They said, quote, there's no indication of any leaks or spills of hazardous material. So at first I'm like, oh, they're lying. Then come to find out why it's apparently they're claiming only silicon beads, apparently, which to the best of my knowledge is not dangerous other than possibly for the environment or if you were to drink something through water, I guess, but ingesting it not, but not even that big of a deal. Ultimately, other than just that it's happening in the environment. But the point is that that's 
something that we shouldn't take at face value when you've already caught them downplaying, lying, covering up. But just to be clear, as far as I can tell, there does not seem to be an immediate danger. But again, I just think it's crazy that we've already caught them blatantly lying and still to this day saying, nope, nope, you're fine. (laughs) So I don't know why anybody ever takes them at face value anymore, but they're saying no risk to the public. It says crews from both railroad companies were on site to begin the cleanup efforts. So again, right away, they were there. But it took until, I think, at least the next day before anybody was saying what was going on, really. Cause of the derailment appeared to be a sinkhole stemming from weather-related issues. And you can see in here the article, the people are going, we don't know what's going on. We didn't even have shoes. Everyone just kind of like, which, again, is you know kind of what we want, ultimately, based on what happened before, when they didn't really do it or brought them back too soon and so on. But it says the CBS News report said officials reported that some silicon pellets were found leaking from the cars. But they don't pose any danger to the public. Other news reports said that five of the cars contained Ura, a liquid fertilizer that is hazardous if, if it comes into prolonged contact with skin. Once the evalu- evacuation order was lifted by 9 a.m. Monday morning, railroad officials and local law enforcement made it clear that the number one priority was getting the trains running again. That's important. Now, you may not think that's different right now, but think about it for a second. You may, or rather, you may not think that's a problem, but think about it for a second. So why would the law enforcement... The people there that protect and serve, right? Or at the very least to make sure everything's safe. Why would their, at any moment in this process, why would their main priority be, their number one, as they said, to get the trains running again? Shouldn't it be the, the community? Shouldn't it be that, oh, okay, sorry, God, now everyone's panicked. and No, there's not a problem. Let's make sure everyone's okay. Let's go make sure there's no crime because of the chaos. Nope. Number one is about getting the trains running again. Now, I'm gonna, there's was a reason I'm making that point, other than the obvious. It's because of what happens here. But it says the White Marsh Township derailment comes a little more than five months after the disastrous train crash in East Palestine, Ohio, after on February 3rd, in which 50 cars derailed, 20 of which contained hazardous materials, including vinyl chloride. A decision was made by railroad officials to set the cars containing vinyl chloride on fire three days after the wreck, claiming it was done to prevent an explosion. Turns out that's not even true. However, quote, the controlled release and burn lasted for two days contaminated the soil and the groundwater and resulted in the release into the air of massive chemical clouds of hydrogen chloride and phosgene and dioxins and everything else involved, which hung over the area and poisoned the local population to this very day. A subsequent investigation, when I read this, I fell out of my chair, and the the federal government determined that by intentional burning, that the intentional burning was unnecessary since there was no danger of an explosion. As suspected by many residents of East Palestine, the burning of five derailed cars by Norfolk Southern was the fastest way to clear the accident site. Reopen the tracks and restart the trains. No one has been held accountable for this disaster. So my point is that just like today, or not today, but the 17th, they're going, well, our number one priority is to get the trains going in, just like it was here. Everybody was working as quick. Don't forget, guys, we have all the evidence. We know what they did. We know that they buried dangerous stuff and laid tracks over the top of it only to dig it back up to take care of it. How do you misread that? So they ran the train over to get it going, and then they dealt with the problem, which every second that remained was more of a threat to people there, and the groundwater, and the ground soil. That's easy to understand. So the question then is, well, before we get into it, and trust me, this isn't just, it's not just this article I'm trusting. We looked it up and we proved it for ourselves. The point is that they knew this. They knew that this was, and I'm going to show you, they knew this was not a threat. They knew that what they were doing was prioritizing their business over everything else, even at the expense of the people around. Knowing, I would argue, I don't know why else you'd make this choice, that you had government backing. 
That's my opinion. According to data maintained by the Federal Railway Administration, there are an average of three train derailments every day in the United States. Apparently, that's just acceptable, right? Because, well, business is necessary or, you know, this is how they play the game with bureaucracy and and, and corporations that, well, we need these things for probably some abstract national security reason, infrastructure, whatever. And so the argument is that we need to, you know, we just happen at this time speed, this, this, it can't take this long or it can't be, you know, blah, 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 whatever reasoning they insert. My point is that they probably argue they need certain things by certain times or certain things fail. And the bottom line is that because of that forced pressure, we know things like, well, they raise the temperature maximum or they, they let things go longer than they should. And it's just like truckers, long haul truckers who take things to not fall asleep and then get in accidents. And we all just kind of let that, well, I mean, there's laws against it. But in this case, the point is we're just seemingly allowing this. Now, yeah, they, they deal with it potentially, but this is the cost of doing business. That's my point. It shouldn't just be okay. This should be, that's not allowed to happen. Let's find out why and pull back. So let's, let's make sure they take twice as long. I don't care if it costs you more money. It's about people's lives and safety. But that's the secondary factor. That's what we have to understand. Now, here's where it gets even crazier. Well, again, this is just their article that they link to. And then I'm going to get into NBC saying the same thing. And then the direct report from the actual investigation. But here's what their report says. Oh, actually, wait. No, I think I just had this. Oh, I just forgot to close it. So I just, this was the link that they went to saying that this is, that they, as the title says, investigate reveals the controlled release burn that poison East Palestine was unnecessary. So thank you for the uh, World Social's website for point, pointing this out. This was June 26th. Here is NBC first, then we'll go to the actual place, the actual uh, investigation. Decision to burn chemicals after Ohio derailment under scrutiny. You got to love the way they downplay. Like, do you re- that, that's really your headline? Like, just so we're clear, I'll read to you directly from what they find. <laughs> and they're under scrutiny. So you find out that they lied. You find out that everyone's going, well, I wasn't even informed. I didn't even know what was going on. And you find under scrutiny. You see, in any other circumstance, they would lean into the biggest headline. You know, you have barely any information from Ukraine. Somebody said something and you give the craziest headline because that, but here it's like, well, we don't know for sure. It just shows you that there's politics in line with everything or guiding what they do. June 23rd, remember the date, the decision to vent and burn five train cars, carcinogenic chemicals in East Palestine, Ohio in February came under renewed scrutiny Thursday as federal investigators questioned officials in the community still reeling from the aftermath of a toxic train derailment. They're still pretending is not hurting anybody. You can actually believe that. The National Transportation Safety Board on Thursday, that's the NTSB, held the first of two days of investigative hearings in East Palestine. It was revealed Thursday that Norfolk Southern's train, this is crazy too, I didn't know about this, twice needed repairs by mechanical personnel the day before the derailment in East Palestine. Two times before it left, then later crashed, they needed mechanical repairs according to investigators who say fire from the train was seen on camera as far as 26 miles from the derailment site which don't forget we know they saw it we know their temperatures were above safe levels but because they arbitrarily lifted the number they were to make sure they could keep going or we could talk about the restrictions that were removed during trump's administration or we could talk about during Biden's administration where they shut down the strike that were trying to solve these very problems It's a government thing, guys, not left and right. And you can see it connect from one to the other. Here's what it says. February 6th, three days after the train derailed and caught fire, officials in Ohio who said they feared that an explosion had released bottle chloride 
a toxic flammable gas, and there was a burn-off. Five cars. I lo- I'm, I, look, I'm glad at the very – they're not saying controlled burn anymore. <laughs> at least they can read the writing on the wall. Five cars that derailed contained stabilized vinyl chloride monomer. Now, that's interesting. So it's not just the sta- – the chem- this is treated. Or VCM, Paul Thomas says, the vice president of the manufacturer, OxyVinyls, said. So the person who knows the most about this, is who knew, it's not necessarily what we thought. He said the tanks did not breach and pressure release devices worked. He said this on the record. He said vinyl chloride, when exposed to heat, can undergo a rapid polymerization reaction, which is what they were be- we were being told, that can, in fact, cause an explosion. But Thomas said the company spoke to Norfolk Southern and its emergency response contractors after the derailment. Quote, we made it clear based on our expertise of the chemical properties of our product that stabilized VCM, which is what was in there, would be unlikely to spontaneously polymerize. polymerize. Now realize this is because you can't say for sure. We, you know, obviously it's possible. But what they're trying to tell you here, which is why this is so clear, is that this, this was a treated chemical pro, uh, uh, vinyl chloride that is treated so this is not likely. So the, the, uh, the, the explosion, even with what was happening, even if it was completely contained, was unlikely. That's what they're saying. But it even goes further. It says, quote, we did not participate. Or that's, not the, that's the next part. Oh, I have it. It's the next article, I think. But the point I'll show you next is that they also go on to say that they didn't even the information they had showed that there wasn't even the problems they were claiming. There was only one of these that were in. This is what we've been saying from the beginning, right? Because we looked at their own reports. There was only one tank, one t- car that was a problem. And even then, they're saying, well, it's still, based on the information, it, it was unlikely that was even going to explode the way it was. But the rest of them weren't even an issue. But yet, they somehow managed to dump and do all of it. You know why? Because it's time. As well as something else that I, you know, thoughts that I have about larger work. Again, something else likely happened here. That's how I feel about this. National security, who knows what else was on this train. The way this was all dealt with does not strike me as just corporate cover-up. But who knows? Either way. They chose to do all this, which then did get this up and running immediately. Now, who knows what went away on that train, right? Who knows? But it says, he said Thursday that Norfolk, oh, this part first, actually, it says he, we did not participate in or recommend the decision on the vent and burn operation. So right away, they're going, look, we, we did not take part in this. Then it says, Keith Drobik, chief of East Palestine's volunteer fire department. So this is what's really crazy to me is This is not even, it's the volunteer fire department, which probably is because it's a small town, but realize that you think about how ridiculous it is that you have the CEO of one of the largest railroad companies in the country and the EPA of the federal government present, and they're blaming the volunteer fire chief. Like you realize how embarrassingly, I mean, that's just, I mean, that's sad that that's what it looks like. I think to be desperate. You need a scapegoat and you blame who, because you, I mean, when you, like I said, when they were present, the EPA in particular, you're responsible. And they know that. Keith Drawback, however, chief of the East Palestine's volunteer fire department made up of 38 members. Apparently their pushing made the final decision to vent and burn. And I'll show you why. Because they dumped it in his lap and forced him to make a choice. And then now they're blaming him for it. He said Thursday that Norfolk Southern never even told him about what OxyVinyls had advised that it didn't believe this was even going to happen. 
Now, think about that for a second. This is NBC News. And I think the reason they're even writing it probably is because it's right on the report coming from the actual uh, hearing. But the crazy part about this is so this is Norfolk Southern in particular, not EPA here. I'm sure they're involved to some degree. But you're talking about Norfolk Southern, potentially Allen himself as a CEO, because he's the one that was present, who is speaking with OxyVinyl or rather speaking with the fire department, the chief, and tells him that this is what they need to do, does not mention that the expert on the topic recommended not doing anything because there was not a problem, or rather that it was unlikely there'd be a problem. So right there, that is at at best a lie by omission, knowing that that's a, not just the central, the most important part of this conversation. If you don't have all the information, you can't make an incorrect choice. Now, Drawback said he, quote, kind of got blindsided when it came time to make the call on this decision to vent and burn. Quote, I was met by the CEO, okay, right there, Alan Shaw, and several other members. And one of the members said, I, this, this volunteer fire chief, had 13 minutes to make a decision of whether or not we were going to vent or burn because they were running out of daylight. So you see how they played this? They knew what they were doing, in my opinion. I think that's very clear. They, 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 they put it on him and, and you know, may, like, may probably... I mean, not probably. You can look at the background of how this thing, they, you're in charge, essentially. And also, okay, fine. People, he, he rises to the challenge, and then they jump and say, 13 minutes, we have to hurry. Daylight, not giving him all the information, clearly leaning and pressuring like we, if we don't make this now, people are going to get hurt. And so he did clearly what they all wanted him to do. And now they blame him for it. How is that not the most dishonest thing you've ever seen? They said he had 13 minutes to make the decision. Hurry, daylight's going out. He was very overwhelmed by that approach to explaining that to him. This is what he said on the record. A meeting was held with unified command that included Governor DeWine. He said, quote, we had to make that decision very quickly. We had to make that decision. He happily says that all the time, except when you start getting into accountability. Oh, no, he, he did. It was the fireman. He did it. They, they're, they're, he's the one that made the choice. They've all said they've all done that. Great leaders, these people, to blame the person that they are pushing into making actions happen. And there were no objections or alternative means to control it, he said, which is a lie, because as they know that the company told them that there was essentially, as the company themselves say, there were other actions that could have been taken. And now they're just lying. They're just coming up going, well, nothing else we could do. At least that's what the fireman was led to believe, right? The train derailment, quote, has changed East Palestine forever. And then he literally says, it remains to be seen if there are health effects. I can't believe that. It remains to be seen if there's health effects. Like they're not, you realize they haven't even admitted that there's anything going on. I mean, it's pretty much in line with the rest of how wildly dishonest this is. Now realize this happened on June 23rd. Nothing has happened. Nobody has been accountable for this. And there are still people getting sick, vomiting, headaches, long lasting problems, pustules on their face, acne. This is continually happening. We talked about this last week. I just can't, I still just can't believe this. Now, here is just some, some overlap, but just to follow up directly from, from uh, trains.com, e, the NTSB East Palestine hearing centers on decisions to vent and burn tank cars, vinyl chloride. It says the big question, was the venting and burning necessary? The producer of the vinyl chloride, OxyVinyls, told Norfolk Southern, and here's what this didn't say this in NBC, multiple times that they doubted that any of these, kink, these cars would explode. And that, that, that they say undergo the chemical reaction called polymerization. That would cause the explosion. 
None of the cars ruptured or leaked the flammable pressured gas during the derailment. Let me say that again. None of the cars ruptured or leaked. That's not what we're being told. But the tank cars were exposed to extreme heat from the ensuring fire that resulted when the uh, when other cars and their contents burned. So we were told there was some vinyl chloride leaking. Right? So according to OxyVinyls and according to seemingly everybody in this hearing, they had other stuff leaking out of other tank cars. And they had five containers of vinyl chloride that were not a problem. And just because they were like, maybe... They dumped all of them on the ground without any covering, burned it without any control, and then immediately took the trains away. This has got to be one of the most obvious criminal conduct, most obvious criminal conduct I've ever seen. Not to be hyperbolic, not to be, you know, hyperbolic, I guess, but I say that about a lot of things, but this is just unbelievable to me. None of the cars ruptured or leaked vinyl chloride. Quote, we made it clear, he said, based on our expertise that the chemical properties of the product that stabilized VCM would be unlikely to do exactly what they told everybody it was going to do. Norfolk Southern did not pass this information on to first responders, including the fire chief, who ultimately, they claim, made the decision, who they forced to make the decision. And now he says he was blindsided and they gave him 13 minutes and rushed him into the decision because this is what they wanted. The question is why? I just, I'm really blown away by this, guys. Now, here's the question. June 23rd, how in the world did we not see this? Let me show you why. Right when this was happening, the world was taken over by a submarine going to the Titanic. At the time, I said, why in the hell is this? A, why is everybody talking about this? Why is this the major story? Aha, maybe that's why. I don't know. Well, what else was going on? Oh, that's right. A mercenary group was trying to overthrow Moscow for 30 seconds, and then it went away on June 23rd, but 24th is when this article is. Oh, and there was something else, too, somebody pointed out as well. But there was all sorts of random stories. Maybe that's why. Maybe not. Either way, it is July 19th. People in East Palestine are still suffering. Nobody is being held accountable. Now, that's, that's Norfolk Southern's fault, but the real crime is your government either choosing to choosing to ignore it because of politics because of an agenda or just don't care about you or both likely both here's a tag for east palestine so you can follow up on a lot of this work we've done and check it out for yourself up to fourteen thousand times more dioxins in east palestine homes compared to control according to independent research there has been five or six independent groups including texas a&m scott smith i mean I, i've gone over all of them Every single one of them finds gigantic levels. I mean, for crying out loud, the Guardian pointed this out. And, they're, and, and then they just go, nope, that's not true. Oh, where's the evidence? Ah, just what I'm, you're, you're lying. It's wrong. Shut up. <laughs> that's, that's what you get. All sorts of evidence proving. It's, it's right there. Look at the filter test. You're, they're sick. And then you can see that they're sick. No, nope, you're all wrong. I just don't know how this is still happening. But let's talk about something else that's absolutely ridiculous in the same light. The same kind of thing with every one of these conversations as we watch the decaying collapse of an empire. Probably why. Well, this is not new. I just want to reiterate this. D.C. Drano pointed this this out again, and it's important to understand. This is actually a video from two months ago. But what it is is yet again proving to you that on the record we know that there were FBI agents all across this. But this is not new. We told you this weeks after this and proved it, as many of us did. 
But you, as usual, the, the pundits and the high-level left-right paradigm players will always make this new discovery and breaking news, and it all flows into a certain direction, and that's how these things work. And I'm not necessarily saying DC Dread. I'm just saying people in that field do that. Now, this point is important. As he says, FBI whistleblower testifies under oath that FBI won't allow the footage to come out, by the way, most of which we already have, because people everywhere had phones and every angle that were going on through this day. But it exposes that because it, because it would expose under age undercover agents those individuals were inside the capitol to which the ssa responded back and i was privy to these conversations firsthand why can't you show us why can't you just send us back give us access to the eleven thousand hours of video of this exam that's available because there may be may be ucs undercover officers or chs's confidential unit for confidential human sources on those videos whose identity we need to protect so mr allen you got retaliated again so here's the actual this is just a clip here's the actual video itself so you can you can watch the, it's three hours long but i want to play the full thing for you so you can see i probably should have started there <laughs> so here's the here's the video itself so you can hear what he responds to but just realize how crazy it is that this is you know these are whistleblowers coming up and telling you what's going on and just because it disagrees it goes against what we're supposed to think Suddenly, their narrative, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. You're a Nazi. You're a white supremacist. You're a conspiracy theorist. None of which has any factual basis, or at least at the very least, it's just your opinion. There's not like a document along with that. Here we have people, part of the agency going, they're lying to you. And they come out and go, you're a right-wing Nazi. And then that's enough, apparently. Like, we're watching the complete breakdown of all of this. You shared an email that questioned the truthfulness of FBI Director Christopher Wray. Yes, sir. And you believed that he wasn't truthful based on testimony he'd given to the United States Senate. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. And in that testimony to the Senate, you believed that Christopher Wray indicated that there were no confidential informants and no uh, FBI assets that were present at the Capitol on January 6th that were part of the violent riot. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. Please play the video. We're, we're now going to hear from George Hill, who worked at the Boston field office. The SSA in Boston said they were going to a, a political rally, which is First Amendment protected activity. No, we're not uploading. We're not starting cases on these people. To which they said, well, we're going to call your SAC. And the SSA said, go right ahead. Because when you're pushing back, you know, you want to make sure that you have your, your six covered. So the SAC and the ASAC were intimately aware of these kinds of exchanges that were going on. And again, to his credit, um, Joe Bonavolanta said, no, we're not opening up cases on people who went to a rally. And I forgot a key part. The SSA for CT2 said, happy to do it. Show us where they were inside the Capitol and we'll look into it. To which WFO said, we can't show you those videos unless you can tell us the exact time and place those individuals were inside the Capitol, to which the SSA responded back. And I was privy to these conversations firsthand. Why can't you show us, why can't you just send us, the, give us access to the 11,000 hours of video of this exam that's available? Because there may be, may be UCs, undercover officers, or CHS's confidential human, for, confidential human sources on those videos whose identity we need to protect. 
So, Mr. Allen, you got retaliated against for the very thing, for saying the very thing that the Washington field office was telling Boston when the Boston field office was saying, we're not going to go and investigate people that just showed up at a rally without sufficient criminal predicate. Uh, the, the Washington field office told Boston, well, you know what, we can't give you the evidence because it might disclose the very CIs and UCs that you are concerned about. But that doesn't surprise you, Mr. O'Boyle, does it? No, sir. And the reason it doesn't surprise you is that in a different part of the country, you saw that same pressure from the Washington field office. And did they ever try to get you to do something that was outside the normal order of law enforcement activity? Yes, sir. And what did the Washington field office try to get you to do that violated the law and regulations? They tried to get me to serve a federal grand jury subpoena when there was no proper predicate to do so. And the reason there was no predicate was because it was based on an anonymous tip, right? That's correct. And time and again, the Washington field office was trying to pressure you without corroboration to go start process on people. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. And so while I agree that January 6th was a violent day, a bad day, a day that nobody wants to relive, violence on January 6th doesn't justify weaponizing the government against people who were innocent and did nothing wrong. Thank you for blowing the whistle on that. I yield back. Mr. Chairman, I have a a sincere point of inquiry. Rule 11, Clause 2. The gentleman is not recognized. uh, I have a question about the rules. Mr. Lynch for five minutes. A point of order, a question about the rules. Point of order, state your point of order. The point of order is why does Rule 11, Clause 2, subsection E1A, not apply to this subcommittee? I can read for you. Each committee shall keep a complete record of all committee action, which shall include, in the case of a meeting or hearing transcript, a substantially verbatim account of remarks actually made during the proceedings, subject only to some technical things. Such records shall be the property of the House, and each member, delegate, and the resident commissioner shall have access thereto. Why does that not apply? Where is the whistleblower exception in the rules of Congress that says that does not apply? It's the prerogative of the committee to decide. No, it's not. It's the rules of the House. We have the whistleblower testimony. The whistleblower does not wish that to be made available to the Democrats at this time. The whistleblower doesn't make committee rules, sir. Mr. Lynch Lynch is recognized for five minutes of questioning. Interesting point. I actually didn't plan, intend to play that, but interesting point. I mean, the bottom line is there's so like from one side of this, there's going to be people to say that you know a point of the, the 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 idea that they don't want this to be revealed is because there's action there's dishonest surreptitious actions taken before things can be revealed you know laid out in front of the hearing or in front of the committee. But then at the same time, you could argue, well, that doesn't really matter because there's a, the, the, the rules in place and you can't just choose which rules you follow. But, you know, the problem is that we and I, look, both, both points are valid. The problem is that we, we're at a time where both sides of the ridiculous paradigm are out to get each other unjustly. And at the same time, justly, because they're both ridiculous and they're both doing things that are dishonest and illegal. And, you know, so just it's, it's, a, it's a game. Of, it's, it's like both sides accusing the other of cheating in every election. It's the same thing. So every American needs to pull themselves out of this ridiculous game and just look at it as your government, because the way we engage with this as a two-party paradigm is the only reason this stuff continues. I mean, not the only reason, but the clearly primary reason. Now, going forward on the January 6th point, he also points out a video that I think is very interesting, a video of Pelosi's daughter, Alexandria, discussing January 6th, where they discuss. 
January 6ers can't get a fair trial in D.C. The media overhyped it. There was no guns, no plans, people just taking selfies. Basically are putting out clearly that they are lying overall about what they think this is for political reasons, which shouldn't surprise anybody. Every day, you can't have a fair trial. Well, the reason, see, I think time is going to remember yeah, yeah. January 6th differently. Yeah. Right now, people are still the heat them. There's two things. Media needs stuff to fill. I mean, if right. you watch TV on January 6th, it was like, January 6th, 24-7. As time goes on, right. it's uh-huh. going to be less. Yeah. And as, as, as um, so I think, I think also people are going to lose yeah. their, their office, the jobs. I the people know. that were there are going to lose their jobs. So it's not going to mean anything if you weren't even there. And I know. We, even need, care. we need like a word break on this. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> right. No. Okay. Right. Let's just chuckle about it. We need a we need a war. <laughs> These people are creep, disgusting. Like that's just unreal. The way that you're you're openly talking about something you're using to take people's lives away from them, and then joking about how you need a war as a distraction. Like everything we think about this whole process is true, guys. These people are not what we think they are, and it's on the surface. It's two party paradigm. Keep people from seeing it. I, I, I thank you for your time. Listen, I really um I I know you're not the bad guy. I mean, if there is, I haven't found the bad guy yet. But if there is, I know well, you're not the, the guy with the eye patch. I mean, he's like a stereotypical bad guy. But I, the- what about the guy with the eye patch? He's a stereotypical bad guy. So he just was randomly picking Republicans to make the bad guy. Like this is, but just so you understand, and I believe this thoroughly. I'm not just doing it to play balance. The other side does this too. They are out to get each other, and you may think one side's justified in doing so. That's up to you to decide. But the point is, it's, it's it's a dishonest game. And you may argue that you have to play dishonestly to be able to circum to overcome the other bad guy side. But isn't that how they justify everything? You know, oh, the bad guy Iran, the bad guy Syria. We need to do that just a means to an end to finally get freedom. How'd that work out for Libya, for Syria, for Afghanistan, which both sides were all involved in? The thing is, why I asked you the question of like, so what was the plan? Is that if there was a if there was an insurrection... You were, you were supposed to be in line marching. You're in the military. You know right. this. No, that's you were supposed to have a plan. So, exactly. You, start the operation you, say, you sit down like, overnight with your soldiers. You go right. over, all right, you're going to go here. You're going to go in by this side. It's, At this time, we're going to take over this. There was none of that. It was an insurrection. It's the sorriest insurrection in, in it's the, the 20th, 21st century ever. No guns. Right. It wasn't. A no guy, plan. A guy People smoking, taking selfies. A guy smoking pot. On, on. Uh, yeah, all the things we say, and the, they're saying them too, behind closed doors, though. They come out and then go, the most egregious thing attack on our history, bigger than 9-11. And they just, they know they're lying for politics because that's how this game is. Yeah, like, like, oh, we do that. We just went to New Hampshire oh, last week for the guy that just was drinking beer. Well, my, favorite, wine. my favorite guy. Local media, every It's just dishonest. I mean, and, and, and people's lives are at, at being, abu- or being ruined for this agenda. Now, the way that this is – with that kind of statement, which, by the way, we already kind of you know, had other examples of similar things, it really begins to feel kind of like another play. Like, they, like, they, like the U.S. government got played with the Wagner fake coup. Like the idea that this was somebody, somebody at some level thought that they had got them, right? They, we got them. We got, they're all going to march over here with their guns, and they think they're going to take this over. And they said them and let them all in, and then, but it didn't happen. So what what happened? What, who who got wind of something, right? And how did they? Clearly, they were saying insurrection, armed insurrection, well into this and past it when there was not even a gun present. So there was a narrative set before this ever started, and we need to be real about this, guys. Actually, here I'll include this article itself. 
this one's kind of a follow-up to the other one where I talk about the overlaps, which kind of includes a lot of the information, which I simply said January 6th was always a very clear government operation. Don't forget, we had Ukrainians dressed in their pretending to be Russians, screaming things in Russian. There's an obvious overlap to what this was meant to be. The Azov movement was literally there on the ground. We have members of of left-wing groups on the record saying, we got them, we tricked them, and they are able to find that in their investigations. Come on, this is blatantly obvious, just like that video. We need to understand what this really is and see this as a not partisan point, as hard as that is for some people. Now, let's talk about this in the context of what, what they really care about. Right. As they're going after you and and for the smallest infraction, the Department of Defense, the Pentagon, has failed audit after audit after audit, has continued to lie about it and hide and obfuscate, and meanwhile, still spending more money in the Ukraine, still dumping more money anywhere they want, and we don't even have the ability to, to keep that accountable because that's how they like it, because they know that nobody can do anything about it. What are we gonna do? Right. The government's sure as hell not going to do anything. And the people don't think they can do anything without the government. And here we are. As Representative Clay Higgins points out, the Department of Defense has failed five audits and can't account for 61 percent of their assets. Let's not forget 9-11. Right before that, they disclosed that billions of dollars couldn't be found. Right. Later on, we found 21 trillion dollars. Can't account for it. And we just go forward. Just keep going on. Why? Because national security. This is a failing empire, guys. This is unreal. Here's what he says. Mr. Chairman, gentlemen, what an uncomfortable hearing, is it not? And the other point was, nobody's talking about this, right? I mean, I, I, there's a lot going on. That's just like we missed the East Palestine, but this is a huge story. But, you know, just disappears. But let me say it's uncomfortable for the entire American citizenry to gaze upon this bizarre realm of D.C. and and wonder how it operates when we're facing now $32 trillion in debt. We've added a trillion in one month, My God. by the way. And the most uh, ravenous leviathan of our government that devours the people's wealth is the Department of Defense, the Pentagon. What a culture we have allowed to become manifest in those halls of ultimate power and military might and expenditure of the people's treasure. Yet we were warned on the year of my birth, 1961, In his farewell speech, President Eisenhower said the following, this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is the new American experience, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. I have a copy of the NDAA of that year, 
1962 NDAA as drafted in 1961. I have a copy of it on my desk. It's one page long, $7.5 billion, covers the entire expenditure. My, my, my. Now we have descended into the belly of this beast. In the private sector, a corporate entity or business goes to a bank for financial establishment and is therefore subject to audit. On a regular basis, the bank audits that business. If the business passes the audit, then the business can return to the bank for more money. The business fails the audit. What do you think happens, Mr. Mansfield? Can that business go to the bank and get more money? Cannot. Cannot. Or maybe it's a minor error. Maybe it's a minor error. They make adjustments. They have another audit. They fail that audit. Does the bank change course? Say, well, you tried. We're going to give you money. Can they get money, Mr. Mansfield? No. They cannot. Not. Thank you for your candor. Here's the problem with this bank. We don't even have the money. We're giving you a trillion dollars a year almost now. We just added a trillion dollars to our national debt in one month. It's, it's an arrogantly abusive culture that we have allowed to become manifest over. To our national debt in Giving you a trillion dollars a year almost now. We just added a trillion dollars to our national debt in one month. A trillion dollars in one month. I mean, it's, it is, as he said, ag- I mean, aggressively arrogant. I forget the word, the adjective he used. This is obscene. And I'm going to play a video after this that really does show you how, I mean, they understand how this game works. People don't. Even we can't understand our brains are not capable of visualizing what this even looks like. Once you get past a certain point, it just kind of blends in together. What's another trillion? But it's so far a trillion dollars in one month. You could literally feed the world. I don't know. What is it? Like 20 times over? Like the idea is that the, U, the UN forever or is it the WHO? I think it's the UN, has said year upon year, and it's changed slightly, but it used to be something like $30 billion was all you needed to, to end world hunger. A trillion dollars. And not to say that that should be U.S.'s responsibility, but the point is the trillion dollars, you could every person in this country will be fed, housed. I mean, it's unbelievable the kind of things they spend money on and then pretend like it's we're still trying to fix everything and make it all equitable and build rebuild infrastructure. Right. While trains are collapsing, they're dumping billions over into Ukraine. A trillion dollars in one month. They clearly care about you. It's it's an arrogantly abusive culture that we have allowed to become manifest over there that devours the people's wealth. So let's shift to a positive note. Mr. Mansfield. For the record, how long have you been in your position, good sir? Uh, my current position, about a year and a half. Year and a half. 
you stepped into the fire, man. I would imagine you're a patriot, very good at what you do. You, you, I'm sure you envisioned fixing this thing. Did you not? Well, I envisioned the department fixing it. Our job is Talk to, about your, to validate your, them. You, through your leadership and guidance and supervision, through your skills, you would endeavor to produce a clean or relatively clean audit out of the DOD. Uh, it's, uh, it's not up to me whether the audit's clean or not, meaning it, it really depends on the department uh, getting its financial health in order. We just report the facts as they are. You're in the middle of that, though, aren't you? Yes, sir. Long- right. So, so the bottom line is even these people have no ability to do anything. They just, they just report the numbers they're handed, essentially. They just, here's the audit, here's what they gave us. So, how, so th- this is what an unaccountable power structure looks like at the top. Things like the CIA and the Pentagon. They, there is pretty much nobody that can do this unless the entirety of our government stands up. And, may, and even then, who knows what will happen? But that will never be allowed because they have their fingers and rather the corporations and the global entities have their fingers in everything, as we can see. Don't the gentleman sitting next to you. My, my closing seconds. Can any of you gentlemen promise in the near future a clean audit? Mr. Tenaglia? So I would uh, ask the comptroller to help me provide you with a timeline that, that the comptroller is indicating is the pathway to a clean audit. We're looking for a glimmer of hope here, gentlemen. Mr. Mansfield? doesn't exist. Uh, I can only commit to continuing to assess the department and being right. as uh, transparent as we can with how we see it. And as of right now, I don't think there are timelines as there's Valiant standing. effort, right. good sir. Mr. Kahn? No, GAO cannot project a time when DOD is going to be auditable. Through our recommendations, we are forcing them to get auditable, but it's really up to them to <laughs> implement those recommendations and reach that goal. Thank you, gentlemen, for your testimony. Right. That's it. So they're both they're saying without saying it because they want to be tactful that we, this isn't going to happen. Six, the sixth time will be just like today because it's not there and they don't want to be accountable. We're working to try and make it, but they're just pushing back because why in the world would they want accountability? If you could literally get away with a trillion, I mean, trillions and trillions of dollars of debt, and then you can just spend a trillion dollars in a month. Why would you want to change that? Oh, because they care about freedom and democracy, right? Because how dare you suggest they would do anything other than altruistic freedom fighting around the world? What are we in kindergarten? I mean, it's just anybody who argues things like that need to go back to school. But the point here is that this is what the visualization of something like this looks like. And I mean, keep this in mind, or rather while you watch this, keep in mind the amount of money we talked about, just just a trillion dollars and what that could do for the world. What I think is most interesting is so like looking at a hundred million dollars, that, that big stack up, you know, th- three fourths of the size of that person standing there. We think of a hundred million dollars. It's just like, it is a fortune, but then realizing just how much bigger, even just 1 trillion is, it really is kind of mind blowing. And then after that, your mind just can't even make sense of it. That's just 2 billion right there. 
exponentially unbelievable. Look at this. This is a trillion. Look at that. Each one of those are the same stack that guy is standing next to. It's still just one trillion, right? The debt. Way past that now. I mean, you get the picture, guys. This is just absolutely ridiculous. Unbelievable. Now, the point is, on top of the trillion from the last month, Biden just announced another $1.3 billion for more weapons for Ukraine. Because that's what everybody wants, right? It's a democracy. Isn't that what we all want? It's just obscene. It's absolutely obscene. And that's why Russia is telling people now, because, look, I mean, it doesn't matter what you, I mean, it matters, but at this point, it doesn't matter what you think started this or whether it was justified or whether they were illegally invading or whether, they, you know, whatever. The point is, it's, we're, at this point we are at now, it's obvious that the U.S. government has crossed a million red lines. And that's on the record. Anybody honest can point that out. So at this point, Russia is at, at, the, at many different levels justified in taking action to try to stop what the U.S. has already painted as what's happening, even if you think that they're they're unjustly to begin with. They're talking about bringing them into NATO and Ukraine, about giving them even more advanced weaponry. So at this point, again, I'm not saying you can agree with that Russia's doing the right thing. The point is just even if they're illegally there from a strategic military point, they have to start acting like this, knowing that the U.S. is going to go forward anyway. And that is, Russia says, the military says that at midnight Moscow time on July 20th, any ships traveling through the Black, Black Sea, U.S. or otherwise, in the ports of Ukraine will be considered carriers of military cargo, which means they can shoot them and sink them, which means that the things that they'll be bringing might be sunk, which would be considered an act of war, clearly, but it's well past that. Outside of the narrative in the media, these two countries are at war right now, and they know that. So as that's happening, Biden's getting more money. Here's a billion more dollars, which, by the way, of weapons, which is going to be being sent. So we'll have to see what happens. And all of this is happening while plenty of evidence is showing exactly what these people actually are. Young Ukrainians scared to leave their homes as more videos emerge of forced conscription. And of course, it's all Russian propaganda, but the fact is you can easily prove this is happening, and they'll proudly show you that it's happening. Of course, the people that don't want to see it will not look at any of that. Fiorella points out that Stefan Bandera, the Nazi war criminal, the hero of the Ukrainians, was an actual Nazi. And here is the Kiev independent defending him. Kind of says all you need to know, right? By the way, even Bloomberg says you shouldn't be promoting this guy. You've certainly lost the plot. Ukraine has better heroes than this friend of fascism. So let's pretend it's not there. (laughs) It's just so sad how they play this game. Now, Eva Bartlett is doing amazing work, as always, breaking down what's really going on. As the, the, Right now, Donetsk is continually being shelled and bombed in the middle of a civilian area, and you could prove it. It's undeniable, and none of them pointed out. None of these corporate media outlets make a, say, not Fox, not CNN, nobody, except true journalists like Eva Bartlett. 122 civilians maimed by pedal mines 
you know, taking, taking a book out of Israel, right? Seeing as how Israel has openly been funding them for a long time now, as I show all the time. Even their own human rights groups in 2018 were going, why are you funding neo-Nazis? This is on Haaretz. And guess who it was? Azov Movement. But that doesn't make sense, right? Because they're Nazis. Well, it does when you understand Zionism and the overlap. But the point is that they're doing exactly the same thing. Pedal mines, illegal mines, into Donbass, killing three of them, 122 maimed, losing limbs, just like happens in Israel. Here's a video of one of them. July, Ukrainian forces fired numerous rockets containing hundreds of anti-personnel mines, colloquially known as pedal mines, over Donetsk, Makivka, Yasinovataya, Gorlevka, and elsewhere in the Donetsk People's Republic. Right, so the idea, in the same way of talking about cluster munitions and how Russia... They're being scattered around the very area they claim they're fighting for in Ukraine. And you see my point? Like, it's just this is just a wholesale lie about what's really going on here on the ground. Streets and parks in the very center of Donetsk were littered with the mines. Even when the presence of a mine was indicated, it was still incredibly hard to see them. Emergency services worked immediately to warn civilians and clear the cities. Yet the mines sometimes lodged in trees or on rooftops and were blown to the ground after an area had been deemed safe. As of November 28th, 87 civilians have been maimed by these mines, including four children and numerous elderly. 14-year-old Nikita is one of the newly injured, losing one of his feet after stepping on a mine. Can he show us his foot? Hi. Right. We're talking about Ukrainians, by the way. Right? Not Russians. Ukrainians. You know, the very people that the U.S. wants you to pretend that they're fighting to protect from the bad Russians. Right? It's, all these governments are not on your side. The point is that you can clearly see a crime when it's being committed, and we have to be honest about that. And these people are not somebody you should be supporting. And all the evidence is in front of you. Rachel Blevins points out, and this is another discussion that they're kind of downplaying, Putin has labeled the latest attack, which happened again, another attack on the Crimean bid, bridge, excuse me, that uh, you can see the video here. This was, oh, it's eight minutes, that's right. I didn't want to, it's eight minutes. But make sure you watch this. Another attack on the Crimean bridge that killed two civilians as an act of war, arguing that Kiev knew it wasn't being used for military transport. While Ukrainian officials were, of course, quick to claim responsibility for the attack, even the White House is admitting that it had no military significance, no impact on Russian forces. Yet, of course, the West still refused to condemn the attack and killing of civilians, which took place. Like, really try to make sense of that, because this is the story you can easily look up. They know there wasn't a military target. They know there were civilians. They bombed it anyway, and nobody cares because this is what ha- the, the, the only thing that is out. The bottom line is all we ever get, like with Syria, like with Iraq, is a narrative of fighting for freedom. And then they do. This is what they really are. They know that. So this is just the stated reality for them. And they just come out and go. That's not true. Russia's bad guy, and people that are ridiculously blind for what they say go right along with it. This is the same group that does the same things anywhere you look. The same false flag regime change efforts that took place in the Maidan Square. The same actions that took place in, in Venezuela, in Syria, in Iraq, in Libya, anywhere else, in Somalia, and all over Africa. It's the same things that you can look up throughout history. And even while we can prove this is what they are, Yellen comes out and says, funding Ukraine's war effort is apparently the best way to boost the global economy. Right? Because they really want you to believe that Ukraine having control of Ukraine is suddenly going to make everything go back to normal. All the infrastructure because COVID or no, no, yeah, Ukraine, now it's Ukraine. Now it's Putin's fault. Whoever it'll be, what it will be tomorrow, the same problem, suddenly somebody else's fault. The bottom line is just do the thing we tell you to do in the moment and everything will be okay. Well, guess what? Even the Telegraph is now pointing out Ukraine and the West are facing a devastating defeat. Oops. 
That's July 18th. Yesterday. Because that's the truth. Because it is absolutely clear in every possible way that without the U.S. government propping up them with crutches and bubble, bubble gum and popsicle sticks, this whole thing would collapse. And it's at your expense. Here is an example of how we know, we know that these people were behind making this happen. Here is a video you haven't seen, most likely, from 2013, showing John McCain live from Kiev, telling you there's about to be a transition here. Weird how they saw that coming, and he's pleased that, Joe, that Newland is right there with him. I mean, now, Senator John McCain, uh, who I know, Senator, you have just addressed the crowd of protesters there, yourself in, in Kiev. What, what is it you're trying to do here? Hopefully what we're trying to do is bring about a peaceful transition here that uh, would stop the violence, would give the Ukrainian people uh, what they unfortunately have not, with different res revolutions that have taken place, uh, a real legitimate society. This is a, a great... And by doing so, they mean staging assassinations from their own people, killing the people they claim they're protecting, and then blaming the other side, which is what they do all the time. Grassroots... Uh, uh, revolution here. It's been peaceful, except for when the government tried to crack down on them, and the government hasn't done that since. Uh, but uh, praising uh, their their ability and their desire to demonstrate peacefully for change that uh, I think they deserve. Let me ask you this about the U.S. role. I know that you have wanted uh, the administration uh, perhaps to consider sanctions, uh, something to help boost uh, the anti-government protesters. The question to you is, while we're trying to work on so many things with the Russians, for instance, with Iran and uh, in Syria, is this really a good time for the U.S. to be taking on uh, Russia? By the way, I just have this thought, like, just looking at this lady, who I, I don't even know if she's in the business anymore, it's just these people are ridiculous. Like, even now, even then, you could watch this and go, like, this lady has no idea what's actually going on at all. <laughs> it's, just, it's just ridiculous. Well, I don't think that we would be taking on Russia. And by the way, uh, I am very pleased with Secretary Kerry's statement, uh, our uh, Deputy Secretary Victoria Newland, who was here. Uh, look, the, these people love the United States of America. They love freedom. Uh, and I don't think you could uh, view this as anything but our traditional support uh, for people who uh, want a free and democratic society. Um, or, or want complete top-down control in the guise of freedom and society. Like, like isn't that what you said was going to happen in Libya? What happened in Syria? What happened in Iraq? You took over those places. Are they full of freedom and democracy? How's that work, McCain? We're not talking about military action. We're not talking about blockades. We are talking about the possibility of sanctions if they continue to brutally repress their people. That right. Okay. So let's, let's revisit some things really quickly. Here is McCain in 2017. Actually, let's, we can start here, actually. So here it is in 2014, the one you've seen, just the first part. And, well, I guess just to show you the clip again. On February 20th of 2013, the world was shocked by video footage of snipers firing on protesters in Kiev, Ukraine. 21 people were murdered. And it was widely assumed that President Viktor Yanukovych and his supporters were behind the attacks. However, a phone conversation between EU foreign policy chief Kathy Ashton and Estonia's foreign minister Urmas Payet, which was leaked to the public on March 5th, reveals that the snipers were actually from the new coalition government. And that Western diplomats knew this and covered it up. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, so that he has some sort of, how to say, trust among all these Maidan people and and civil society. And second, what was quite disturbing, the same Olga told that, well, all the evidence shows uh, that people who were killed by snipers from both sides, among policemen and, and people from the streets, that they were the same snipers killing people from both sides. Well, that, yeah. So that, and then she also showed me some photos. Uh, she said that has medical doctor. She can, you know, say that it is the same, same handwriting, the same type of bullets. And it's really disturbing that now the new, uh, new coalition that they don't want to investigate what exactly happened. So that there is now stronger and stronger understanding that behind snipers they were. It was not Yanukovych, but it was somebody from the new coalition. For some reason, the U.S. media didn't think that that little detail was worth covering. But wait, I thought the opposition protesters were just peaceful activists who wanted a chance to join the European Union. Well, yeah, that's the official narrative that the U.S. media outlets are peddling. But the real story is far more ominous. It turns out that the most powerful and influential contingent in the opposition is a coalition of literal fascists and neo-Nazis. And they aren't peaceful. In fact, they're extremely brutal. This is a picture of Victoria Newland from the U.S. State Department meeting with Ole Tanibok in February. And this is a picture of Senator John McCain sharing a stage with Tanibok in December. But why would the U.S. government work with neo-Nazis? Because they thought that they could control the situation. They thought that they could install their puppets behind the scenes and manipulate the situation in their favor. That same Victoria Newland who met with Svoboda in February was caught on another leaked call discussing who they would put in power. What do you think? Uh, I think we're in play. Um... The, the uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here, um, especially the announcement of him as Deputy Prime Minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now, so we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to, to Yachts. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response. Good. So uh, I don't think Cleet should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess... Bottom line is, that's, that's called a democratic election right there. That's what you just heard. Victoria Newland democratically electing somebody right in front of you. Fantastic. Well, we also have the video, which I just, you know, as you guys remember, of, of McCain and Graham in 2017 going in front of the Azov movement and saying, our fight is your fight and we're fighting for you. As we know, they were actively there on the ground and just and it's all become lies today. Нашого народу і нашої держави. І я як президент і як верховний головнокомандувач хочу подякувати кожного з вас. I admire the fact that you will fight for your homeland. Your fight is our fight. Hmm. That's how the game works. So, absolutely clear to see how this played out. Kathy Ashton on the phone going, yeah, 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 we know, we know. We saw it too. <laughs> we know we made this up, we know, and nobody cares, right? Well, one last point on the Ukraine side of this. I just think it's important before we show a part people also aren't going to like, most likely, in regard to DeSantis, when we get into the Israel part of this. But Pedro points something out. This is important, I think. Team Trump has no real response for Trump saying he plans to give Zelensky more weapons than even Biden. Now, of course, this is the problem, is that people who try to engage in this conversation and, and then, you know, the right doesn't like the way they frame it, then Trump just comes up, oh, I'll end it one week. And they go, yay! 
That's a meaningless answer, which I said then, because that's just, oh, and it, you know, the point is, how so, man? What do you mean? And what are you going to do? And the point is, when you get into it, it's, I guess, his abstract argument, he'll give them even more weapons, and it'll end immediately because of that. <laughs> that's not what people think he's saying. But the point is, so they're trying to, they're just trying to lie about what he said, but they aren't doing a good job. This is Pedro's point, perspective. I think they know this was one of their main selling points. For him, they don't have a choice but to lie and exploit the trust they've built with their audience because Zelensky has already said Ukraine, quote, would not agree to cede any territory to Russia for a quick end of the war, which, again, seems to be possibly changing right now. But he's saying that so Trump's 24 hour peace plan is really just an escalation by another name, which is how this is usually going with people like Trump. But we're going to give more Ukraine than ever before. Like you can, The point is, this is not hard to see. It's the same thing that happened during during his administration. Where he said one thing about, you know, ending X, Y, and Z. And then when he ended up leaning into it more, they go, well, how do you think you're going to end it? We got to do the lean in more to finish it. It's like, you guys are ridiculous. Like, it's just, it's not even remotely what anybody pretended he meant when he said that. And the point is just whatever he does is the right thing. And we'll explain afterward. That's the same thing on the left. People in the two-party paradigm are tapped into that. But the point is, guys, that it's just the same thing from a different name. We have to start seeing that. Now, Israel, as you might have seen, has uh, yet again illegally bombed a densely populated civilian area, the downtown populated area of Damascus. Nobody cares. All right, no, actually, I don't think it's necessarily downtown in this case, but it was Damascus, in, where there are lots of civilians. Syrian state media said missiles were fired from the Israeli-occupied Golan Heights, which, again, we keep telling you. So not only are they bombing illegally, but they're occupying illegally Syrian territory and then illegally bombing Syria from illegally occupied Syrian territory. Why? Because it's a high, it's a high elevated area, which gives them the ability to bomb down onto them and also has a huge part of the water that Syria needs. And that's how, this, that's how the, the Israel has always done, acted in this exact location. And then pretended they need it because if not, Syria would use it and bomb down on Israel, except that's not actually happened. But who cares? Just like Iran building a missile, Israel says, and we just have a nuclear bomb, even though the IEA and even the U.S. has come out and said, nope, nope, they're not. (laughs) They'll still say that. And the narrative goes forward. There is no accountability. Zero. Just because you say bad guy or narrative or Iran present doesn't just remove international law. But it really what it does show you all the people that defend it and all the people in the government that don't care. It shows you that they don't care about international law if their agenda is in play or, quite frankly, at all, really. Here's how AP covered the story. Israel's Air Force attacks Syria. Not a single mention of how that's illegal anywhere. Great job, AP. And Syrian air defense missiles explode over northern Syria, Israel. Oh, and, and, they use, and then they use a, a picture of Israel going, oh, my God, everyone look at what they're doing. Israel got attacked. Well, what did you just say there? A defense missile. So they act in defense, and your story is Israel had to suffer because of, I mean, because of their illegal attack. Oh, no. I mean, it's just gross the way that they cover this stuff. Well, somebody honest, Vanessa Bealy, comes up and shows you what's actually going on on the ground. That innocent civilians are suffering because of this. I find it hard to believe that there weren't civilian deaths. We'll probably find out as this goes forward. Of course, she tags RFK Jr., who seems to blindly defend Israel at all costs, and now seems to be going over the top. Because he's been called an anti-Semite, and that's probably the way that works. But as Vanessa points out, this young man is heartbroken to find his home destroyed by Israeli missiles. Not, not part of some military faction, not some terrorist, not Iranians. An average Damascus local who lost his entire home that no one's going to care about. 
Here he is crying about that because your government doesn't care. I mean, just imagine your entire livelihood, everything, your entire home, gone because Russia bombed your city and nobody cared after that. How would that feel? I mean, really take a second to reflect on that, right? Like you, you pick your bad guy. It doesn't matter that suddenly you walk out, you come home and it's a ball of fire. And you know it was because of some other country and, and nobody cares. Nobody speaks up about it. In fact, you're called, you're called uh, a shill for somebody else because you care about that. What are you, a terrorist? I just don't understand how we can't see this. Like that's what I'm, When I say that, what I mean is there's only two. This is so vividly clear that there, in my opinion, there's only people that are aware that this is a terrible thing that seemingly your government is, is okay with or doesn't want to point it out because of their own personal investment in one side or the other of the two-party paradigm. And I quite frankly think that the vast majority are people that care. We just need to start owning that, leaning into that, making sure people see that. Because a lot of people don't know that. Also, Israel bombs Syria. You know, just a quick look. Isn't it weird how there's zero coverage from the corporate media? Well, ABC News, but they, of course, the same thing where they use that same image and do the same point, right? All they did was parrot the AP. That's what they do. Where's Fox News? Where's CNN? Oh, look, let's find out. Oh, look, <laughs> direct search, nothing. Not even, a, not even a, a tangential article. Weird how they just don't care about this gigantic foreign policy story. Fox News, same thing. At best, you get Yahoo Sports saying suspected, suspected Israeli airstrike. God, it's so pathetic. Not a single peep, not a peep from CNN, Fox News. Nothing. Because they care, right? I thought they were on different sides. Aren't they fighting for different things? No, your government is okay with this. Well, Russia and Iran are now coordinating to expel U.S. troops from Syria, Pentagon says. And of course, it's reported from Pentagon's perspective as a serious national security threat. We have to do something. We can't just allow the people who are legally allowed to be there to kick us out from our illegal occupation. How? That's, that's counter to our agenda. So everybody has to pretend like this is a big deal and, sh- and step in and say we have to invade because they can't just push us out. We have to be able to break the law for freedom, Right. I mean, it's just that stupid. It's just like I said before, when they freaked out about some Russian ships harassing their drones over Syria. Well, only one of them's allowed to be there. So the only one harassing is the person illegally violating Syria's airspace. End of story. But nope, I guess I'm a pro-Russian shield for pointing out the basic facts. It's just infuriating. Iran is, is allowed to be in Syria. So too is Russia. They're allies. So if they are collecting and saying, let's kick out this illegal occupier, which nobody disagrees with, as they're stealing oil and burning wheat and stealing wheat and doing everything else and allowing Israel to illegally occupy the Trump Heights, as it's called now. It's just, it's, it, it is, there's not a, I mean, I'm trying to think of a word that's more specific to the people suffering, right? The people dealing with this. Again, that's where it always goes back to, for, in my mind, is the average Syrian who sees this who just watched their mother get killed by a Syri- an Israeli missile and then gets told, you're a terrorist. You're a disgusting Syrian who's just trying to fight the gas people all the time or because you support Assad. It's just, it, these people are then the ones that will grow up potentially radicalized or, or just simply acting 
in the sense where you are a problem as an American. The same way, the point is that this is the, this, the, the perpetuation of the same problem. And then on top of all of that, Israel has continued to attack Janine, the refugee camp, and all sorts of areas in the West Bank. As Robert just wrote today, Israel's attack on Janine failed, which it did. And they're embarrassed by that. So Tel Aviv is now using the Palestinian Authority to do its dirty work, which, by the way, you should read this. It's important. He's been writing about the Palestinian Authority for a while on Last American Vagabond and elsewhere. And the point is that they're not what people, a lot of people think. Even myself, when I first a long time ago weighed into this, I only assumed the Palestinian Authority was on. A, but the point is, at one point, they were. They were originally set up at Yasir, uh, Yasir Arafat, I believe. And it was about the Palestinians and arguably the forces that would be used as they became their own state. Now, the point is that all went away if it was ever really even real with today. None of they're openly going. That will never happen. As Biden tells you, that's the solution. But they are now the Palestinian Authority and, and Abbas. They're working to subjugate the Palestinians for the Israeli government. And that's falling apart, too, because nobody believed they apparently he his tenure or tenure, excuse me, the, his, uh, his um, administration and the length of it expired in 2008. This guy's an illegal leader now who just continues forward because narrative, Israel and unrest and whatever else. And so he's being used. The point, though, is that every aspect of this is an illegal, the Israeli, the very presence of Israel occupying Palestine is an illegal occupation. Despite that being a provable fact, apparently I'm a racist to point that out. Don't forget, on September 29, 2022, Robert was writing about the Janine engagements. And back then, don't forget this horrific story. Israeli forces kill people in Janine, some of them civilians. And then settlers quite literally mutilate the dead body in Hebrew. They write on his body in Hebrew. I actually forgot exactly what it said. The end is what they wrote on this dead Palestinian's body. Nobody cares. Well, Ron DeSantis, of course, is happy to stand up and support this in all of its glory. Why? Because that's what presidents in the U.S. do. Blindly support the most openly fascist authoritarian government in the world. Because you fill in the blank. Well, here's what he has to say. He not only is supporting Israel, like pretty much every leader in this country, or, you know, faux leader in this country does, but he's coming out and he's now going after people. He's going to investigate people who are trying to boycott, divest, and sanction the illegal actions of the Israeli government. Because that's what you do, right? The things that they're doing, though, is they're specifically targeting Israel. And so we made changes to our law to recognize that. And First of all, Christians United for Israel is embarrassing. Because the reality is you can, I mean, it takes 10 seconds to look. A video just yesterday was going around of, of young Israelis spitting on all of the Christian priests as they walk by. Like, they, this is embarrassing. Zionists do not care or like or want to be associated with Christians. Reality, and this is just on the table. They openly talk about this stuff. But then you pretend that you've got a Zionist Christian or a Zionist Biden calls himself a Zionist. Those things are inherently contradictory in the history, as well as the current statements are right there. And there's nothing racist about pointing out what they're telling people. It's just the disconnect between what the U.S. government tells you they're saying and what they're openly saying. How long have I been saying that? And so today, I'm happy to make, and this law just took effect at the beginning of July, I'm happy to announce for everybody that Florida has formally instituted an investigation 
against Morningstar for violations of our anti-BDS law. Right, so they have laws that say you're not allowed to boycott, which, by the way, is a, a, unconstitutional. Thanks to Santis. You're not allowed to divest or push for that. The point is, the entire point of BDS, which they now try to make a terrorist thing, it's, just, it's embarrassing, is that people were told, go through the political, you know, the, the argument being framed as Palestinians being terrorists. And that, that why don't you go through the politics and change it that way? Okay, well, then let's do that. Let's create a campaign of showing people what the Israeli government is and then convincing them to boycott what they're doing, divest from them financially, and sanction them for their crimes. And what do they do? Terrorism! Okay, well, see, so we, no, not a political way, not an act, not a, a legal, by the way, kinetic way, because as I've maintained and said forever, which you can look up and I've proved many times, according to the Geneva Conventions, international law, an occupied territory has the legal right to armed rebellion, not when they're attacked, just because they're occupied. So it doesn't matter who fires first in this case, because they're occupied, as UN has always maintained. You don't just get to make up your own facts here. This is the reality. So the point is that they're breaking the law inherently, but he's going to stop you from constitutionally acting as you see fit. And that's a problem because they're all the same. All the politicians, I mean. We're not letting them target Israel and get away with it. We're using our tools to fight back. Wow. Pretty crazy. I just, I mean, it really does, you know, and the point is Zionism is not the same thing as Judaism. That is one of the biggest lies. And I mean, there is an entire world full of Orthodox Jews that are yelling about that in Israel, in New York, and elsewhere, openly, saying Zionism is not Israel, it's not Judaism, and they are using our religion, and then those people get beat up by the IDF, and nobody wants to talk about that. I mean, how do you explain that? <laughs> it's obvious. Today, I'm proud to announce that Florida's officially opened investigation. They have an anti-BDS law, right? Well, here's another one. Ron DeSantis tells Daily Mail that he will tear up Biden's horrendous treatment of Israel and slams the left for focusing all their energy on trying to scapegoat the world's only Jewish state. Why is that even something people say? Is there an openly Christian state? Is there an openly only white state? Because both of those things apply in this conversation. It's kind of one of the only conversations where you can talk about ethnicity at the same time as religion. But the point is that it is that's the entire manipulation. Right. The idea is that the ethnicity part of this, like, the, look, bottom line is that ultimately you can see that this is a manipulation and to argue, as Netanyahu does openly, that this is the state for the Jews alone and to pretend like that's not openly racist is ridiculous. Just make sure, because every time you say that, people, there's somebody that goes, see, that's not true. There's no way he said, yep, yep, he did. Israel is the nation of the state of the Jews alone. Netanyahu responds to the station, correcting the person who said, no, 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 Arabs are equal citizens. This is not a joke. It's Heretz right here. It's archived. And it, went, it was on the Associated Press. It was on the Independent. So the TV respond, the TV network tried to defend him and said, no, 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 they're equal. He, well, he stepped up and said, no, it is the state for Jews alone. How else do you call that? That is racism. And then he stand, they, they promote it. And the fact he, he's saying, of all people, Biden is horrendous to Israel. I mean, my God. Zion, Biden calls himself a Zionist. You point out an example of a politician who's even remotely, here comes RK Jr., who openly said he's going to be a champion for Israel. Well, I wonder why Biden is not, well, here, here's why Biden is not even on the table in this conversation. Here's Biden talking to the Israeli president, even though Israeli president is not 
it's kind of a faux position, but here is Biden engaging with the conversation. I've been there and and as I uh, affirm her at a political level, and the and as I God, it's, that's it's just so bad. That's not a that's not made up. That's real, and really embarrassing. Like, look, I mean, if you if you why not just engage with this and be like, yep, yep, the president's getting old, right? He's clearly but, you know, they, but no, they have to pretend like it's not even happening. And that's the stupidest part of all of this. The guy the guy is clearly struggling, can't even keep his eyes open half the time. It's just it's really sad. It's really sad. Lastly, on this point, here is Nelson Mandela telling you the truth, both about the reality of U.S. foreign policy, but also the true moment in which this was kind of solidified as the way forward, which was when they chose to continue, chose to bomb the only country in the world that has ever bombed using a nuclear bomb, even when they knew, and you can prove this today, that every single front from the Japanese were already in retreat. And then they bombed anyway. And if there is a country that has committed unspeakable atrocities in the world, it is the United States of America. They don't care. They don't care for the human for human beings. And he doesn't mean you, mind you. He means the government. Fifty-seven years ago, when Japan was retreating on all fronts, they decided to drop the atom bomb in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Killed a lot of innocent people who are still suffering mm-hmm. from the effects of those bombs. Those bombs were not aimed against the Japanese. They were aimed against the Soviet Union to say, look, this is the power that we have. Right. If you dare oppose what we do, this is what is going to happen to you. Because they are so arrogant, they decided to kill innocent people in Japan who are still suffering from that. Who are they now to pretend that they are the policemen of the world? What I am condemning, what I am condemning is that one power with a president who has no foresight who cannot think properly is now wanting to plunge the world into a holocaust. And he's not talking about Biden, right? It's nothing new, guys. Can't think properly. And I'm happy that, that the people of the world, especially those of the United States of America, are standing up See? and opposing their own president. See my point? These countries, when they say America, they're not talking about you, guys. They're talking about the government, and they all see it. They all see it. I hope that that opposition will one day make him understand that he has made the greatest mistake of his life in trying to bring about carnage and uh, to police the world without any authority from the international body. 
It is something we have to condemn without reservation. Very interesting. Oh, you know what? I think I kept pausing it and saying things and I was muted. Well, anyway, the, the, the bottom line, guys, is this is he's not talking about you. Right. He's talking about, as he said, the government. Not not it was America, like anybody's other countries, they know very clearly who the problem is. I mean, how, if you knowingly take decide, I mean, th- this is the moment going forward. When you look back and no, no other country in history has ever used one of these bombs. And they did so just to make a point. I mean, and now we've got Oppenheimer, the movie, super great, retelling the story in a way that makes it seem like, look, I can guarantee, I haven't seen it, obviously, but I can tell you right now, I, my bet would be that the story is going to be, you know, a conflicted story. Because you always got to make it seem like, you know, you're painting the right picture. Well, it was conflicted and he got pressured, and, but I, I, I'm willing to bet you that it will not frame the story like that. And it will be a, a, a forlorn hero that just has to do the bad thing for freedom. That's how this usually goes. I just wish we could be honest with ourselves. I really do. Now, I want to get into something I think is important here in regard to the Wuhan Institute that shows you something we've already made a point about in regard to many different examples about the overlap, about the fact that this is not one government, one side of the government, one individual. But as Robert Malone points out, the the, the funding, oh, first of all, we've all seen this, Biden cuts off the funding to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. I'm like, didn't Trump say he did that? Yeah, he did. Well, the point is that we're all being played. As Robert points out, the the funding that was previously denied to have existed and then canceled and then didn't exist is now stopped. (laughs) It's just, you guys, ridiculous. Biden cut off funding that we want us to do. Well, as Sam Husseini rightly points out, this is the New York Times saying the Biden administration is taking steps to impose a 10-year ban, (laughs) 10-year ban (laughs) on funding for Wuhan at the center of the debate over the origins of COVID. And as he writes this, I I agree, as predicted, the establishment narrative is is insufficient oversight of the Wuhan Institute of Virology is the problem, right? Not the fact that we lie about everything, not the fact that we continue to make deadly viruses with gain-of-function research. No, no, no. It's because we just didn't oversight that location well enough. So everything goes back to the way it was. Just call it EPPP going forward, right? This is all about posturing and not about public safety or finding the truth. I love Sam Hussein. He does a great job. And I love watching him hold people accountable at the State Department. Very clear that this is just about pretending that we care about this stuff. Now, before everyone jumps the gun and says, oh, Biden, China, we know it. And just realize that, in my opinion, at the very least, it's not about one side or the other, guys. It's all it's not Trump versus Biden. They're all in this together, whether they even realize that or not. As Sasha Latipova points out, if you believe that China does not use mRNA in its citizens, the bottom line is, and I think just I'm pretty much I think I'm going to wrap it here and get into the next last section tomorrow or whenever the next show is. But the point that she makes here is that the argument of that, you know, China didn't use mRNA and that's how we know they're not on it. it, The point is she makes very clear it's not true, that all of this is overlapped. The the bottom line is that they worked in league with each other in every possible way. And now even the point is that ultimately that Moderna and Pfizer are overlapping with their mRNA work in China now and that they're just about to start using this or already have. So that's one part of this that gets dispelled. But my bigger part is that ultimately we know that every aspect of this from Moderna using and Pfizer, China's genetic sequence, two days after they got sent and had already said that they hadn't even isolated at that point, and then Moderna's on the record saying that they never even had anything other than that genetic sequence on a computer. 
Why are we pretending like they weren't in league? Trump's going to be screaming, they didn't let us know, and we don't know what they're doing while using their genetic sequence to make the vaccine, which is what happened. I mean, it's, it's all a big show, guys. We are being manipulated, and it's all right in front of us. Her point, we knew that highlight that biotech and Fosun, Fosun, excuse me, the pharmaceutical group had already had a relationship. It was created in 2018. That's the Chinese group. And the Pfizer invested into it a few months later. Also, that the U.S. Department of Defense knew about the CCCP control, CCP controlled Fosun being a shareholder in the mRNA venture and nevertheless gave Pfizer Biotech $10 billion in 2020. Now it looks like Fosun will be selling the mRNA poison in China. It said, and this is last year, I think Financial Times reported the negotiations between Moderna and China to sell its COVID vaccine collapsed after the biotech, after the biotech refused to reveal the core intellectual property. And she says, translation, they want access to the intellectual property to say they, they can gray market the product all over the world. Without giving them access to the IP, you can never sell anything in China. Forget it. Turns out Moderna and Pfizer, quote, overlooked that well-known part about Chinese IP strategies. But I am not too heartbroken for them, she says. Let China make a cheap make cheap knockoffs. I'm also pretty certain this is a desperation move to prop failing stock prices of both Pfizer and Moderna as the demand for their poisonous shots have are hovering right now around zero, both in the U.S. and the world. Think about that, which I, I agree with. I guess they will be promising investors big growth in China. Also, they've already flooded the vaccine market for animals, not just for cows and pigs, but for your dogs. And they're not even being told they're being used. Most people don't even ask. Give them their shots. Hope they whatever they need. Blah, blah, blah. They don't even look. Those things are less tested than the ones we give our children, if you can believe that. And they're far more dangerous. She says, anyway, I hope this development puts the bad China theory to rest. Not that they're not bad. Her point is they're, they are as bad as all other big governments. Russia, too. There is no difference. I'm glad that people can see through this. And then also the Swiss policy research pointed something out that I think is interesting. This actually came out in 2021. Did China stage the Wuhan videos? The point, did China stage these? It says, since the early days of the pandemic, many people have been wondering if all those videos we saw were, were real or if they've been staged by the Chinese government of people collapsing in the streets in order to frighten the West and lockdowns. And, you know, that's what a lot of the right-wing pundits at the high stage of the right are saying. It's all China. It's all a big... And it certainly could be. I'm in no way dismissing that. Oops. <clears throat> oh, they just popped open. I must have hit something. Oh, right there. The point is, I understand the long the, the argument of the 100-year plan and the conversations about how they've talked about this, but it's like, it's like anything else. There's all sorts of documents in the U.S. that don't align with what they're currently doing that were, they were outlined by individuals within the government and so on. They could be, and we should care about them. But the point, to pretend like without anything other than just our opinion about this, that we know that this is all, you know, quite frankly, the evidence, in my opinion, and not just our opinion, but the evidence far more leans into the idea that they're working together. But the point that she's getting to is that after all, it is, or, well, read the last sentence. After all, it is argued such events haven't been seen anywhere else, which we all know, right? But it says, but an analysis of the videos and their context show the following. And all the links, as always, with this platform, you can look at for yourself. Contrary to claims that there were dozens or even hundreds of these videos, apparently there were only about 10 that were shown in different variations and places and combinations. Most of these videos really had nothing to do with COVID. Rather that these videos showed drunk people, homeless people, road accidents, unspecified medical emergencies, even training exercises. But because of the simulations, the simultaneous, excuse me, virus outbreak, first responders in Wuhan often already wore the equipment that we see, the hazard suits. 
thus to bystanders and to people uploading and sharing videos, especially on the other side of the world, it may have looked like actual sudden coronavirus deaths. In many cases, video titles and descriptions suggested or claimed the video showed sudden coronavirus deaths, but in no case was this suggested or claimed by Chinese authorities. Instead, it was social media and primarily Western media promoting this frightening narrative. It looks like most of these videos were shared internationally, not by those close to Chinese regime, but by people in groups opposed to the Chinese regime. Take a minute and think about that. And well, not so you could decide for yourself, but that makes sense when you understand how this actually played out. The, it's the left-right paradigm. Who, who wanted to show that the Chinese regime had lost control? The video compl- compilation below, for instance, was published by Taiwan's based news information platform, Tomo News, which is a U.S. ally. The most famous photograph of a dead man lying in the streets of Wuhan, which we've all seen, used by many Western outlets, was produced and distributed not by Chinese journalists or officials, but by the French press agency and Getty, the war zone and international crisis photographer, Hecti Redemol, who later won awards for that photograph. Furthermore, it is noteworthy that the first English language mention of the alleged Chinese whistleblower doctor, Li Wangling, who later died or disappeared, came from China Change, an NGO funded by the National Endowment for Democracy, a U.S. government-controlled entity or regime change platform that sponsors opposition groups in adversarial countries. It's the CIA stuff, guys. This, again might indicate that Western state actors either tried to leverage the situation in China or tried to frame China, the real origin of the virus remaining unknown to this day. I agree with that. In contrast, or if it's even there, in contrast, the Chinese government itself primarily tried to downplay the situation and continue to do so. Now, you could argue that was a cover-up, right? But the facts don't line up with all of this when you can see that the U.S. was the one flooding this, or the media, flooding this into our view. In conclusion, there is currently no evidence that the collapsing people videos of January 2020, which we've, I think we've all kind of come to realize, were either were real, first of all, or were a Sun Tzu-style Chinese psyop. Instead, they may have been part of the mass psychosis at the time, or leveraged by clickbaiters and hoaxers in Western media, or they may have been part of a Western psyop against China, against the Western population, or both. Now, there's no, they're not making definitive conclusions here. The evidence, as far as I can see, is very clear that we should not be blindly going, China did this to overtake them, because that's not what the evidence showed. Shouldn't dismiss that because that's a very real concern. I have no doubt there are some factions of China that would like to take over all of the U.S. right now, or maybe all of it. But the fact is, like this one right here, the one we've all seen, it's not real. Not in the sense we think it is. I think that's incredibly important. Now, just a quick glance. We're going to be getting into probably tomorrow. I believe I'm going to try it in tomorrow in general, but we'll see. It might be the day after that. I wanted to get back into this conversation of some things to overlap the conversation we just had about the transgender movement. One of which I think is important, which is that another article that just came out from the Wall Street Journal, the 17th, gender ideology isn't kid stuff. Psychologically and emotionally, most aren't ready for it. Thank God there is a platform out there in the corporate media, as much as this may be an agenda, we'll have to see how it goes forward, that, that is pointing out at least the, I mean, I don't care, like this point, as long as it stops kids from going through this, I'm good with it right now. This is unbelievably obvious. They're not obvious. And look, just to be clear, they're not talking about treatments, puberty blockers. They're talking about the entirety of gender ideology. Why? Because it's inherently about sexual under, sexual identity. 
as we all know, except the ones pretending it's not. And that's concerning. And the Wall Street Journal breaks it all down, that these kids are not ready for this because they're children. Gee, you'd think that would be basic logic, wouldn't you? And we have a bunch of other things we'll get into, including the fact that Canada has officially lost the plot. I agree. They're now encouraging minors to commit suicide under the pretense that those minors are apparently mature enough to decide, you know, with the MAID program. So you can't drive a car or join the military, but you want to kill yourself? Rock and roll. Seriously, Canada is losing its mind, more so than many right now. But this is all in line with the same conversation, isn't it? 2017, science proves kids are bad for Earth. Seems to be kind of a running theme, right? We'll get into more of this coming forward. I'll get into that tomorrow. I'll leave you with this. I'm going to promote this guy's video tomorrow. But I'll leave you. We'll get into this more tomorrow. But thank you for being here today, guys. I really think it's important that we continue to harp on this stuff. And, you know, as much as I do my best to keep up with all these different discussions, you know, I just think it's clear that we begin to see that this is not, I mean, none of these things are really disconnected. Like none of them really. I mean, we really have to stand back and see how even the foreign policy overlaps with any one of these other discussions in some, in some way, because there's a global agenda taking place. And if they could argue, it's always been that way. I just hope people can be objective and stand back and really engage with this in an honest way. And I don't mean most of you, I know you're already on board, but the people that might get introduced to this, we just have to start to see through the two-party paradigm, remain objective, and stay the course because you're winning. You are breaking through, and that's why things are dramatically changing because they need to. Otherwise, they'll lose control. And I think it's just on the precipice right now. So thank you for continuing to support this platform because we need your support. We have a lot coming, a lot in the works, and just honestly maintaining what we're currently doing. We need your support, guys. So make sure you reach out. Check us out on Substack. Donate on Buy Me Coffee. Donate on Subscribe Star, Cryptocurrency. Send us whatever you want. The links are in the bottom. We need your support to keep going. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.